Welcome, Calvary Quakertown. It's great to have you join us. It was also great being with you all last week. I apologize for sending Carlos back to you, but you've got him now. Um, again, welcome to our series as we continue in Reality Check. And if you're new to the series or new this morning, I want to remind you we're doing a reality check because we live in a world of fake news, of spin, of posturing, and pretending. And therefore, we need a good dose of truth and a good dose of reality to clear up the fuzziness or the misinformation that easily surrounds us. So far in the series, we've taken a reality check on Christianity. And we've said, contrary to most other human adventures, Christianity is not a performance deal. It's a substitution deal. Jesus sent, Jesus was our substitute that does what we cannot do to reconcile us back with God and then with each other. We then talked about community. How do we live in community with other people? And we looked at the two primary ways that that happens through love and forgiveness. Forgiveness is a subset of love because we're always kind of screwing up and wounding each other. Therefore, we need to forgive each other when we sin against each other. And then we looked at purpose. And we looked at two pictures and one parable. And we said, if we're going to live out our purpose, we're going to live a salt and light. But we're also going to live out the parable of inviting. And that's why each week we say, you need to be inviting people to church, inviting people to your groups, and inviting people into your lives. Because that's how we continue what Jesus started. He invites us into his mission, and he calls us to invite others into the mission that he's called us to. Last week, Carlos talked about rest and getting in rhythm, getting in sync with how God built us and designed life to be lived. So there's seasons of work and then a season of rest, and we need to live out that rhythm. Well, this morning, we're going to do a reality check on marriage. I thought I'd hear a little more groaning. And The first service, we had a lot of tiskings, a, tisk, a lot of that. Look, I know that a lot of you aren't married, maybe even half of you or more are not married. That's okay. But just so you understand, we all need this message. How many of you know somebody that's married? Raise your hand. All right, now, some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm, I'm not sure where you live. But we all know people that are married, and therefore we can kind of learn how marriage should work. We can kind of support and help them. Also, many of you that aren't married now will be married, and so it's pretty good to kind of practice those skills, those principles, and live in the reality of what marriage is going to be rather than the fantasy of what you imagine it to be. But even if those things aren't true, since marriage is the most intense human relationship, every other human relationship will in some way echo the principles that need to be lived out in marriage. So even if you're not married, don't plan to be married, if you're going to have friends, hopefully you have friends. Maybe you don't have friends because you don't know the things we're going to talk about today. And if you're going to live as a good friend, you've got to live out some of the principles. If you are married, you live those out in an intense relationship, but we all need to be living out the reality of the principles in all relationships. So here's how we're going to tackle it. We're going to look at some fake news to get started, uh, five tenets of fake news, and then five bits of real news. So you're thinking, Charles, ten things. Some weeks you have three things and we're here forever. We're going to go quickly, all right? But we're going to start with five 
bits of fake news that I'm guessing you're somewhat familiar with. Here's the first one. Our culture is conducive for a strong marriage. Now, some of you may say, Charles, that's not fake news. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, but hear me out. Have you ever heard these expressions? Just do what comes natural. Just follow your heart. Just go with the flow. You've heard of those things? Well, let me uh, show you how the fake news works. If you just go with the flow, if you just do what comes naturally, and if you just follow your heart, you will shipwreck relationships and you'll live a pretty isolated, lonely life. Because our hearts are all about me first, right? Well, if you live with a me first kind of perspective, people are going to stay away from you like you have some kind of communicable disease. Yeah, we do, the me first disease. Well, there's one bit of this uh, cultural context we live in that is particularly dangerous for relationships in general and marriage in particular. And that is the proliferation of screens. Have you noticed this phenomenon? The proliferation of screens. Let me uh, walk you through a number of decades of history here. Back in 1955, less than half of the people in America had television sets. That's a screen, by the way, right? They were mostly black and white, and the television sets were wheeled out and put away when you weren't watching a show you planned to watch. Today, over 98% of Americans not only have televisions, but the television is the center of the living space. My guess is not, not, not a single person in this room wheels out the television when you're going to watch a show, and when it's over, you wheel it back. You take the phone out of your pocket and do that. You don't wheel out the big screen, right? Over 98%. We just passed kind of a milestone in America. I'm not sure it's a good thing or bad thing. This has never happened before in human history. Just within the past few months, the average American now spends more time in the virtual world than they do in the physical world. More than half of the time, the average American, spends in the cyber world connected to their phone, iPad, television, than they do in the physical world. Now, I'm not anti-technology. I don't know how to use most of the stuff on my phone or my computer, but I'm not opposed to it all. I'm not saying we all need to become Amish. That, that's not the goal. What I'm saying is, since we live in this world of screens, the proliferation of screens, as you and I live in front of the screen, we move away from people. So let me just uh, ask you to imagine. Imagine it's 1955. Some of you don't have to imagine. You think it is still 1955. Others of you haven't been born for decades yet in 1955. Well, in 1955, if you got home from a really hard day's work and you wanted to cool off, where would you cool off? Well, first of all, it wouldn't be indoors because there was no air conditioning then. You wouldn't have cooled off in the basement because it was mildew and musty down there. You wouldn't have cooled off in the family room. wouldn't have cooled off in the kitchen because that was hot. You would have cooled off on the front porch. Porch. And you would sit on the porch and all the neighbors would be on their front porches. And the kids would be playing. You'd be out there as a family, right? You'd be kind of hanging out on the porch. Where do you go now after a hot, hard day's worth of work? Do you hang out with the family? No, 
you all go to your separate spaces in front of your own little screen and you separately engage as you decompress from the day. I'm not saying all that's bad. I'm saying if we don't have a plan to combat those anti-community forces that are alive and well in our world and the proliferation of screens is one of those big anti-community forces, we will wind up disengaging from people, even our spouses and family members. So don't think your culture, don't think our surrounding context and the voices that you hear are actually moving you, pushing you to a stronger marriage. They're actually pulling us away. It's fake news to think culture will help build a strong marriage. Here's another one. Again, remember fake news. This is not the real news yet. Marriage is God's ideal for everyone. This can be short. Jesus wasn't married. You know that? Paul wasn't married. I'm not sure what that all means, but they weren't married. Um, so marriage is not God's ideal for everyone. And if you are here and if you're single, uh, l- l- let me share with you a little bit of real news. Um, your biggest problem is not that you're single. That's not the biggest problem. A minor problem is that you're single in a world that's geared to married people and families. That, that never feels good. And churches seem to be predominantly geared that way, right? And so you come here, we got this for families and this for young married people. Well, you know, if you feel like, a, if you're a single, you feel like, well, boy, do I really have a place? Your problem is not your singleness. Your problem, minor problem, is you live in a world that's geared to marriage and family. But here's your biggest problem. The biggest problem for single people, you think marriage is the solution to your problem. That's not the solution. In fact, you don't have to talk to married people for too long. To realize that most married people will soon say, will soon tell you, their biggest problems are related to being married. And they're related to being in the family, right? Well, wait a minute. If most married people think that the marriage is kind of the biggest problem, and most single people think that singleness, our biggest problem is not related to our marital status. In fact, our biggest problem is thinking that a change in circumstance will actually change us. Our happiness quotient is not primarily determined by whether you're single or married. That's not what determines your fulfillment or happiness quotient. And so you will be sold and you'll buy a bill of goods. If you're single and you think, well, marriage is God's ideal for everyone, or if you're married and you begin to live out that perspective to some of your single friends, and I hope you have single friends, that's just not right. Our biggest problem is thinking that a change in circumstance will actually change us. That's not where change happens. Third thing, fake news, by the way, fake news. Marriage is easy. Uh, All the married people are laughing. Yeah, Remember when you believed that lie? Yeah, Before you were married. Uh, One of the things that I often do at wedding ceremonies uh, is, you know, the bride and groom come down and they stand in front of me and, you know, we're kind of a little bit into the message part. And maybe I met with them a few times, but they're not paying attention, right? When people are engaged, they're, they're intellectually confused. And they're emotionally distant. Like they, they, they're not seeing straight. They're not feeling straight. None of that stuff. And so as a little dose of reality right at the wedding, I will typically say, okay, now before we proceed, I want you to learn an important lesson right here at the wedding. Turn and face your guests. And they pause it. I said, you invited them. I didn't turn and face them, right? Turn and face. They all want to see you anyway, and they turn and face them. I say, okay, now, two questions for all of the guests. 
Question number one. If you're married, raise your hand. Well, you all do it. If you're married, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, now keep it up there. Keep it up there. Married, raise your hand. So I say to a couple. Now, do you see all those people out there with their hands up? They're the only ones you have to pay attention to for the next question. The people that don't have their hands up, they're as disconnected intellectually and emotionally as you are. They don't, they don't know either. Now, all of you have your hands up. How many of you think that marriage is hard if you have your hand up? Put the other hand up. See? I told you. Now, right now, they don't believe that, right? Because they've been putting their best foot forward for months, for years, right? It's all been a lie. They've been living a lie, the whole engagement period, right? Well, yeah, if, mar if love is blind, marriage is an eye-opener. Uh, and they're soon going to enter that eye-opening experience, and they're going to realize marriage is hard. It's not easy. But our culture, right, the voices of our culture, the fake news is, well, if it's right, it'll be easy. Let me tell you, it can be right, and it's still hard. In fact, all relationships take concerted effort in order to make those relationships worth it. Our fourth bit of fake news if you love me, you will change. <laughs> now, I just know that none of you believe this lie, right? But let's face it. We all get married with a list of expectations. Not expectations for ourselves, because we're, we've already arrived, right? We've got a list of expectations for our new spouse. And our mission is to encourage or manipulate. Uh, to get them to change into what we want them to be. How are you doing at that project, by the way? Just kind of check it. That's not working, right? In fact, the more you try, the more effort you put in, the less return effort is coming. It's kind of a sinister thing. Um, I hesitate to give an example, but I will. There are a couple of things, just a couple of things that... If I had a choice, I would like to change about Kim. Uh, Kim's great, by the way. You know, but if I, yeah, I'd, I'd tweak a couple of little things. And look, I'm sure that she'd like to change maybe one thing, a little thing about me. You know, a minor little, and maybe half of one thing, right? But the one thing that, you know, can be kind of irritating is Kim is over the top when it comes to preparedness. And some of you think, and that's a problem? Oh, it can be a problem. So let me explain it to you this way. At any given time, if you were to go to our house right now and you were to open our refrigerator door, you would not find one half gallon of orange juice. You would find two. Just in I'm the only one that drinks it. But just in case we run, I guess one day if I'm just super thirsty and I drink a half gallon of orange juice, the second one is there just in case I need that extra glass or so, right? Um, if you were to go into our basement, you would find at any given time at least 150 pounds in bags of solar salt just in case the water softener is ever missing a couple granules that it can be put back in. If you were to go into my bathroom closet and open the door, you would find enough Mitchum deodorant for decades. If Mitchum ever stops producing deodorant, I'm good. I've got enough hair. My hair gel collection will long outlive my hair. I'm convinced. <laughs> if a piece of clothing or a damp towel goes from touching my body to the floor, it is washed within minutes and returned to where it needs to be. Um, now, 
you may think, well, what's the problem with that? Well, here's the problem. I don't want my toiletries to outlive me. You know, I don't want, you know, somebody else drinking my orange juice. I want my orange juice and hair gel to run out the day I die, right? And so I want to use my last bit of deodorant, my last bit of toothpaste, drink my orange juice, and die then. I don't want somebody else using my solar salt, right? And so we've got all this big collection. Well, I'm not kind of like that, but yeah, it's fake news to say to the other person, but if you really love me, you would change. Well, how are you doing at changing because you really love your spouse. Um, you should not be putting, I should not be putting that weight and freight onto someone else. Your goal is not to be God's assistant, to manipulate someone else into change. Your goal, my goal, is to change as God's calling us to change. Oh, and by the way, that's the best motivation and encouragement around to your spouse to want to change as your spouse sees you changing. Well, number five. I said five. Here's our fifth one. All my needs will be met by my spouse. You can tell it's fake news. All the married people laugh, like at everyone. Do you notice that? All the single people taking notes. Really? Is that what your spouse doesn't meet your name? Really? Well, you know, Philippians 4.19 says this. My God shall supply all your needs. It does not say my spouse will supply all your needs. God meets our needs in a variety of different ways, sometimes in ways that are completely unexpected. God will often meet your needs through your spouse. God will sometimes meet your needs through friends. God will sometimes meet your needs through golf. God will sometimes meet your needs through exercise. He really will. God will meet your needs through your job. God will meet your needs in lots of different ways. But if you put the pressure onto your spouse to meet all of your needs, you are putting your spouse into the place that only Jesus can fill. Here, here's the picture that comes to my mind. If you're expecting your spouse to meet all your needs, here's the picture. Your spouse is fully clothed, maybe with a heavy coat on, because it's been winter here forever, but it's warm enough. And they're treading water in a deep part of the lake. And you swim out to help your spouse. And it keeps going under, it's getting pretty rough, treading water. Rather than throwing a life preserver, you start throwing your spouse boulders to kind of help them out, right? That's what it's like if you look to your spouse to meet all of your needs. We should be looking to God to meet our needs. Recognize him, he'll, he'll meet them in a variety of different ways. But don't put the weight and freight of meeting all your needs onto your spouse. Your spouse can't do that. And you can't meet all the needs of your spouse. Isn't it interesting? All of the misconceptions and fake news evaporate immediately when we turn it to ourselves. We say, well, wait a minute. I can't meet all my spouse's needs. I can't change into the person my spouse wants me to be. Marriage is really hard. We flip it around and put it on our spouse. All of a sudden, we believe all the fake news. Five things up on the screen. Fake news. Our culture continues to shout those messages. It's all fake news. Well, some of you are thinking, well, we can end now. I'll just do the opposite, and I'm good. No, 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 we're not done yet. Uh, because you need some real news. Some real news. Now, you kind of know the real news. But just do the opposite of that. But I've got another 10 minutes. So I figure I'd talk to you for a little bit. Some real news. Well, here's the first bit of real news. Marriage is hard. I have a friend who uh, did a wedding a number of years ago. And I, I don't think he got fired, but this is uh, what he said at the wedding. So the couple comes down, right? You know, the father, the bride, hands them off, you understand, in front of her. And uh, he semi-sarcastically says, you two don't have a clue what you're doing. 
And here's what he proceeded to say. You know what marriage is? Let me tell you what marriage is. Marriage is dirty dishes and bounce checks. Marriage is financial crisis and communication glitches. Marriage means career struggles and time pressures, mortgage payments and sickness. Marriage means fighting over whether to watch the NFL playoffs or the Disease of the Week movie. Marriage means watching his hairline recede and his waistline advance. Marriage means watching the skin under her arms get loose and flap back and forth when she waves goodbye. <laughs> Marriage means navigating family issues and emotional problems and aging and challenges that you can't imagine right now. You're here telling me you're ready to make this permanent binding commitment after a few weeks and months of knowing each other? Have you two lost your mind? That's a pretty good wedding talk, let me tell you. Because <laughs> the guy's trying to bring some reality into the world of fake news at the wedding, right? And of all of you that are, that are married, know that what I just read is what marriage really means. Well, the second thing is marriage is like a 401k. Now, I sure hope that you've all been and are planning and you're saving for retirement. And... Uh, if you haven't done that yet, I've got a bit of news for you. Social Security may not exist when some of you retire, and even if it does, it probably isn't going to be able to support you. You need to establish a 401k and start saving money for retirement. Now the commercial's over. Your marriage is like a retirement account. You've got to invest in order for the investment to be worth the investment. If you don't invest, it's not worth the investment. Funny. The Bible kind of says that. It says it like this. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Notice, Jesus did not say, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. No, 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 no. Your heart will follow your treasure. Did you ever notice why it's so easy to tell all the couples that are dating at the mall? They're the ones that can't keep their hands off each other. If you're like, why don't you get a room, right? What are you doing at the mall? The married couple, he's standing outside the store looking at his watch, right? Like, what the heck? Where is she? Right? Um, now, why is that? Well, it's because when you're engaged, you're trying to win the other person best foot forward. So you're making deposits. You're spending all your money on your fiancé. You're spending all your time with the person you're dating. You're making all these investments. Your heart is following your investment. The problem is, soon after we get married... We start making investments elsewhere, and we don't make investments in our marriage. And before you know it, our hearts are following our treasure all over the place, not in our marriages. I had a, a conversation with a guy Tuesday afternoon. We went out, we're kind of seated, uh, having appetizers together. and So he starts telling me this thing he's really, really excited about. And here's what he says. Hey, Charles, I, I just have to tell you. I made a big investment about a year ago into this company and you know they asked me so I kind of worked with the company the company really got rolling and he starts smiling he's kind of like he said this Friday two days ago now this Friday that company is going to be sold and my original investment will pay me back 10 times what I invested a year ago I was ticked off Why do you call me now? Why didn't you call me a year ago, right? Why don't you let me know when it's going on? You call me now when you tell me you're getting this big payoff, right? He is ecstatic, right? Why is he ecstatic? He made the investment 
Therefore, the investment was worth the investment for him. I didn't make the investment. I didn't care about his stupid investment. Yeah, marriage is kind of like that, right? Kind of like a 401k. Invest to make it worth the investment. Your heart will follow your treasure all the time. Next bit of real news. I'm not that awesome. I don't mean me, right? You say that. I, well, I'm not either. Uh, in fact, I know you don't believe that right now, so we're going to say it together. Just the first part. Ready? Let's practice. I'm not... Yeah, half of you don't believe it yet. Uh, if you're married, your spouse says it loud and clear. He, she, not that boss. Let's try it again. I'm not that... Yeah, but see, the problem is, in the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter world, we portray that we're awesome. I mean, how many of you put the picture on Facebook where you look the worst, right? I mean, so you put all your failures out there, right? Now, if you do that, by the way, we have a counseling center, and you probably should, like, make a couple appointments, but we spin, we shape. We want to manage what other people think about us. We want to manage their impression, so we kind of portray and pretend. But the reality is, I'm not that awesome, and neither is the person you're married to. Or neither is the person that you're in a relationship with. Um, I was thinking of this this morning. So if this is any good, just say, oh, that was a God thing. If it's not that bad, it was, I was sitting at my counter in the kitchen about quarter to six, I thought it was. So I got a little quiz for you. All right, here's the quiz. What does a bridge with stress fractures, a bad comb over, a leaky roof, and your heart have in common? What's the one common thing between a bad comb over, a bridge with stress fractures, a leaky roof, and your heart? Given the right set of circumstances, reality will be seen, right? You get a bad comb over, the wind blows the wrong direction, everybody knows, right? I mean, your one hair's down here on the other side, right? It's kind of, uh, I, I, I never quite got that comb over thing. My roof only leaks, Charles, when it rains. Yeah. When do the stress fractures present a problem? When the 50-ton semi is driving across the bridge, the stress fractures that were unseen now are seen by everybody. Your heart's like that. Your heart may look okay until stress comes. Until, you know, your spouse, the 50-ton semi. Not saying that, not anything about weight, right? Your spouse is the 50-ton semi. Your spouse is the windstorm. Your spouse is the rainy day. See, it's a happy talk. Uh, given the right set of circumstances in marriage, all of, the all of the faults, all of the problems, all of the fractures and difficulties and problems in your heart are seen. But what do we do? As soon as they're seen, we then blame the truck. We blame the wind. Stupid rain, now my roof's leaking. Why did the truck have to ride across the bridge? Why did the wind have to blow? The conditions are not the problem. Your heart is the problem. And God allows the conditions so that we see the flawed condition of our hearts and we make changes. But rather than do that, we blame the truck. We blame the wind. We blame the rain. We blame our spouse. You ever think that God graciously allows those conditions to show you that you're not awesome, to remind you of how amazing the gospel is, that God still loves us, 
and that God wants to change us. So rather than becoming defensive, when you're feeling that pressure, when your stress fractures are being seen, when your heart is leaking a little bit, when your heart's had the wind blow and the comb over is not working, put the mirror up and ask God to show you more of what's there and to change it by his spirit. I'm not that awesome, and neither are you. Well, our fourth dose of reality, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat. And the truth of the matter is, most of what we get torqued about is small stuff. So let me give you a few examples. Is 69 degrees or 72 degrees really that big a deal? Right? Really? Well, and somehow that's a pretty big deal. Waiting an extra 15 minutes, is that like going to ruin your life? Um, trying turkey bacon, is that, well, well that, that, that may kill you, right? You don't want to do that. <laughs> like getting dressed up, tucking your shirt in once a month or twice a year, that may be an okay thing, right? Watching the end of that stupid movie or the end of the golf match, would that really kill you? You see, let's be honest, most of the time our arguments are over little things that won't even matter next year, let alone a decade from now. Think of some of your knockdown, drag-out fights and what you fought over 10 years ago. You kind of, it's a chuckle thing today, right? Okay, extrapolate if you can. Extrapolate from today one million years into the future. So, so let's commit ourselves. We will gather together one million years from this morning, right? One million years from... And we'll laugh about the things that we're really getting torqued about today. Because a million years from now, most of what ticks us off and we argue about isn't going to matter too much a, year, a million years from now. Here's one of the hardest things uh, for me to do, and maybe for you. I need to make my relationship with Kim more important than being right. My marriage is more important than being right. You know, sometimes we're so committed to right as we understand right, we're willing to trash the relationship in order for our perspective of right. And at the end of the day, what you think is right isn't really something that's black and white and clear. It's something that's kind of shady gray that you're twisting some weird thing together on. Our relationships are more important to being right. So let's not sweat the small stuff. And at the end of the day, most of it's small stuff. One last thing, be on mission together. We talk a lot here at Calvary Church about continuing what Jesus started. So here's what Jesus started. Uh, amazingly, Jesus made you his mission. Think about that. He left the comfort, glory, splendor of heaven to come on a seek and save mission, and you were the target. Wow. Wow. He then says, I want you to experience that, and then I want you to continue that in some small way, echo that in the lives of other people, particularly those that are closest to you, particularly in your marriage and in your family. Be on mission with Jesus. Um, okay, so here's a question. Now, don't yell at your answer. For those of you who went to Sunday school, you have a little bit of an advantage. Don't yell at your answer. Keep your answer to yourself. Then I'll ask you to answer together. Which couple comes to mind from the Bible that would be the best example of a couple doing mission together? 
All right, what do you got? Nobody. Good. Okay, we can move on. It can't be Jesus. Here, here's the first time we've ever asked a question in church, and the answer is in Jesus. <laughs> Jesus wasn't married, right? Uh, Paul's not married. How about this one? Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. Now, let me just give you a little thumbnail sketch. And if you don't know anything about them, read Acts 18 this afternoon, right? Um, read Acts 18, and you'll get just a little hint. Priscilla and Aquila were originally, we kind of meet them when they're in Rome. And they get thrown out of Rome because the Jews and the Christians get thrown out of Rome. They make their way to Corinth, another big city, and they start up a company. They start a business, right? A first century startup. They start up a business. And the business is tent making. Now, today that wouldn't be a thriving business. Back then it was kind of a big deal, right? They started. Now, think about that. All the pressures, partners, starting a business together, husband and wife, right? I know startup people, entrepreneurs, they kill each other, right? They start a business together. Eventually, Paul comes to town, some itinerant, you know, preacher with some crazy message. He needs a job. They hire Paul. They hire Paul. Paul goes to work for them, and they're humble enough to listen to what their new employee says. Paul doesn't even have a job. Right? He's kind of unemployed. They hire him, and then they listen to what he says. They say, wow, maybe this is real. Maybe this Jesus thing's real. Paul eventually moves on, but they were mentored by Paul. They were mentored by their employee. Eventually, Apollos comes to town. He's another preacher. But they've been so well mentored by Paul, they say, eh, there's some cracks in this guy's preaching. He doesn't have something to go. They then take Apollos under their wing and they disciple Apollos the way Paul discipled them. Apollos then gets sent on and he becomes like one of the best preachers of the first century all because Aquila and Priscilla kind of took Apollos under their wing. They had planted churches in their homes. And if you were to read the end of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul writes and says, I have nothing but thanks and joy for Priscilla and Aquila. They were on mission together in continuing what Jesus started. Now, there's a couple on mission together. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're going to be a married couple or a family on mission, that you have to do every little single thing together. But it does mean you support each other. You encourage each other. Maybe one person has gifts or abilities in that area. The other person has it. You support each other. You encourage each other. You pray for each other. You're not tearing each other down. You're building each other up in that. Sometimes it's going to be you're working shoulder to shoulder. Other times, one's in the background. One's in the foreground. Right? All different ways. Be on mission together. Remember, Jesus made us his mission. All he says now, you make me your mission. Experience what I've done for you, and then you continue what I started. Well, here's how I want to end. I'm going to read you a few verses that Paul wrote that actually sum up everything that's up on the screen right now. So I didn't really make any of this up. It, it's all right here. It all appears in just like four verses, three verses. You think, well, Charles, you could have read them. It could have been out 40 minutes ago. Well, well I didn't want to do that. Um, let me read them to you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. 
It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's from 1 Corinthians 13. Now here's what we sometimes misunderstand. I know some of you engineering types, you immediately want to make a list, right? Okay, so love is patient, love is kind. And say, how am I to check off the little? No, no, no. Technically, Paul is not giving us a checklist. Paul is painting a portrait of Jesus. If you want to know and understand 1 Corinthians 13, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not keep a record of wrongs. Jesus does not rejoice in evil. Jesus is always there. See, Paul is painting us a picture of Jesus. He's not giving us a checklist of things that we got to try hard to do. So the message is, whether you're in a marriage or just in other relationships, or one day you'll be married. This is the hard news of relationship and of marriage. It's tough. In order for the investment to be worth the investment, you got to make an investment. You're not that awesome, but you can still make it work, and your spouse can help you understand about thing, things in your heart that you'll never understand otherwise. Don't sweat the small stuff and always have to be right. Be on mission together, experiencing and extending the mission of Jesus. That is the reality and the truth of how God wants marriage to be. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for designing relationships. And even though if we're going to be honest, we have to confess that we're not very good at relationship. We often live with a me first rather than a you first attitude. We often don't put you first, we put other things first. And in the midst of all of that, we wind up promoting things other than the gospel and pointing people to something other than Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to not buy the fake news, misinformation, and spin of our world, but to live out the realities and the truth of the Scripture in our marriages, in our homes, in our friendships, in our relationships with people in the community and at work, living out the picture that you call us to live in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.